0: On today's show, Jamal Murray climbs in the latest player rankings from a major outlet. The Denver Nuggets come in number one in a power ranking. And Jamal Murray may be not playing with Team Canada this summer. This is Locked on Nuggets. You are Locked on Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody, and welcome to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Adam Matas from DNVR. Matt Moore will be joining you later in the week, Thursday night. He'll be taking that on, I think, during this offseason. I'll be doing these uh, midweek ones. He'll be doing end week ones. And I got a show plan for you today. We're going to be talking about the latest news out of Canada about Jamal Murray possibly not participating in Team Canada's uh, World Cup. We also have a note about Damian Lillard and a new plan the NBA has to squash tampering. And then we're going to look at some power rankings, um, player rankings and power rankings that dropped this week, one on ESPN, one on Sporting News. What does it tell us about this Nuggets season? I'm also going to look at the uh, Christmas Day game. Is there a game I would like to see the Nuggets play? You can answer who you would like the Nuggets to play on opening night and on Christmas Day if you have thoughts about the matter. But first, let's start with the news. There was a report today coming from Matthew Winnick from the score who is covering team Canada um, and has been at the practice and been around the facility with the coaches and with the players. We saw uh, photos and videos of Jamal Murray practicing with the team, a very stacked Canadian basketball team features Shea Gilgis, Alexander, uh, RJ Barrett, uh, Lou Dort, lots of great players. Kelly Olenek, really a full, almost a full roster of NBA guys. Jamal Murray down there as well. Um, So he is with the team, but it came out today that maybe he won't be playing the team and Murray both worried about his uh, workload coming off of an injury, playing all the way until the finals and then going into this. I think that there's just some concern. They want him in the program. I think he wants to be part of the program, but it's unclear if he is going to actually just be part of this training camp ramp up and then not participate, you know, beyond that. Or maybe it is that he'll be sitting out some of these early exhibition games and just trying to save his legs. Now, they he is expected to speak tomorrow. So I suspect by midday tomorrow, we're going to have some kind of update about Jamal Murray and his plans to play for Team Canada. My thoughts on the matter, I was excited to watch him play. Um, you know, I don't think he has any ailments or anything like that. So I don't think this is a thing of like, oh, is, he, is this a sign that he's injured or, or hurt himself? I don't think it's anything like that. There hasn't been any reports about that. Um, you know, I, my thoughts are mixed on this. One, I completely understand the idea of Jamal took a year and a half to come back from his injury. Clearly he was worried about his own body and wanted to make sure he was doing everything right. You go through a full season all the way into June, he peaked as the playoffs went on, he peaked. Um, and now you get a full offseason to kind of rest, recover. I think if you look at the Nuggets and Jamal Murray in particular, they are poised. You never know. But they are poised to have another deep playoff run next year. And you hope this is the beginning of a very long stretch of of successful Nuggets basketball that could see him play to June. Now, like Jokic, I don't think that means he'll never play for the national team, play for Team Canada. But it might be smart for him to say, hey, this is my first fully healthy offseason. I need to work on my body. I need to be rested. I need to make sure that I don't overdo it. And if his body's not feeling right. Um, Then he's got to sit out. I'd be bummed. I want to watch him play. I want to, I was getting excited for team Canada. I was getting excited, but we'll have to wait and see what the news is. And like I said, I expect that tomorrow we'll get some kind of update out of, out of their training camp. Slovenia and Greece play a a tune-up game tomorrow. Uh, You know, a warm-up game getting ready for the world cup. The world cup is of course, three weeks away, a little bit more than three weeks away. I think it starts on the 25th is the first slate of games. But tomorrow, and I don't know if this is televised anywhere, I was kind of looking to see some streaming sites to see if there was any place that had it. I'm sure something will pop up tomorrow. But tomorrow around midday, I think 12.30 Mountain Time, Slovenia will be taking on Team Greece. You know, if everybody plays, that should be a great one. You've got Giannis, you got Luka, you got obviously Vlako Chanchar. So it'd be fun to be able to get to see, just get a peek of them, even though it probably won't be great basketball. I'd love just to get a sense of, okay, what's Vlako's role? Has it changed this year? Um, What does he look like? You know, he should be a guy that's pretty fresh. So these games are starting to to come around the corner. um, And we'll start to have more and more to sort of report and talk about in terms of seeing our guys play. The Suns released uh, an association and icon jersey. If you recall, that's just the name that Nike gave the standard jerseys. So for Denver, the association, I think, is the Navy. The icon is the white, regular, just home and away jerseys. We used to call them home and away now they don't really are they're not really tied to whether you're home or away so they just call them association and icons but those are we'll call their default not their alternates but their main jerseys the sun's got a new updated one i did hear from a source that today was the last day to announce if you had an updated association and icon jersey so i believe take this with a grain of salt i'm only hearing this from from somebody That that means the Nuggets will not be getting new association and icon jerseys this year. Well, I shouldn't say they're not getting new ones because even if they're bringing back the old navy and white plain, you know, regular jerseys, they will have the gold uh, one. Because when you win on the back of the the collar, when you win a title, you get a little gold and then the number of championships that you have won, Larry O'Brien's that you've won. So Denver next year will join a very short list of NBA teams who get to have that on them. So in some ways it will be a new jersey. Um, but it doesn't look like they'll get new base jerseys. I hope they're coming sometime soon. I definitely feel like we're about at the time when I wouldn't mind Denver kind of doing an update there, and I've loved their alternates significantly more than their um, regular jerseys. Let's be honest. I love the Suns jerseys, and I'm bummed that they get something cooler in Denver. Damian Lillard rule. The NBA sent a memo to all of the teams basically saying what Lillard is doing, which, by the way, many other athletes have done before him, demanding a trade and letting it be known that he only wants to play for one team. In this case, it's the Miami Heat. His agent, Aaron Goodwin, has come out and said, hey, he's going to Miami, and if you're another team that's not Miami, don't expect him to suit up for you. He's going to make, you know, he doesn't want that, and he'll force his way out. Now, I'll say this first and foremost. I doubt if a team like, say, the Minnesota Timberwolves or Toronto Raptors or any of these other teams made an offer for him and traded for him I highly doubt Damian Lillard really would say, fine, I'm not going to play, dig your heels in. A lot of this is just like posturing, trying to persuade, you know, get you to go to where you want to be. But at the end of the day, most players want to play and they're not going to waste their prime. Nonetheless, we've seen this all insinuated. We've seen the reports come from Brian Windhorst or from uh, uh, Woj or Shams. But the fact that it's actually been pretty explicit with Dame, with his agent and everybody else kind of making it a little bit on the nose that, hey, this is the plan. This is the playbook. I think the NBA looked at that and said, hey, man, you're making us look bad. We're going to have to start cracking down on agents. First of all, the ability to find an agent is kind of an interesting one. Usually we're talking about who can get fined, its coach, its front office, its player. But now to say, no, even an agent doing this, we're going, the NBA is going to fine. I think that's kind of interesting. But to be honest, more interesting is the tactics already worked. Brian Windhorst earlier today, or I shouldn't say work, appears to be working. Brian Windhorst today reported that nobody else is making offers. As far as he's heard, and the Miami Heat are operating under this assumption as well, that nobody is calling Portland and making an offer. Um, right now, it's really just the Miami Heat. And he, he said that it wasn't necessarily just because, you know, the, the onus, the the threat, don't trade for me because I just want to go to Miami. Wasn't just because of that, but also because Damian Lillard is old. He's been injured, not old. He's probably past his prime uh, physically. He might still be able to play at that level in, in spurts. He's not like LeBron old, but he is still probably on the decline. And his contract you know will, will continue for several years. So some teams are worried about, hey, maybe he falls off a little bit. So there's that. Um, so I don't know. We'll see how this whole thing plays out. I have no idea how the Dame thing's going to shake out. Matt seems pretty confident that he's just going to wind up in Miami. That certainly seems like the odds on favorite. Um, so that would be kind of interesting to see. All right. We're going to do an early break because segment two, I have a lot. I want to kind of get to there's some mailbag leftover questions, uh, in there. I also want to talk about sporting news came out with a top 30. You'll never guess who's number one. And you'll never guess where they have Jamal Murray. I think both of those things will be interesting on the other side. But first, I've got to tell you guys about our presenting sponsor today, Abata. Finally taking that summer vacation you've been planning, but dreading about buying all the necessities you need before takeoff. It's time to start spending your hard-earned money without getting anything in return. Enter Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods, so you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after, and you can get cash back. It's that easy. The average ABATA user earns $120 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, or you could use your cash back to buy that flight you've been looking at, but haven't pulled the trigger on. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much, but with Abata, you get real cash back that you can cash out at your bank account, PayPal, or use on gift cards. Right now, Abata is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Abata using the code LOCKED when you register. That's L-O-C-K-E-D. You get $5 if you use that promo code. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Abata app and use promo code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A at the Google Play or App Store and use code LOCKED. We'll be right back with more Locked On Nuggets. Back here, segment two, Locked on Nuggets podcast. All right, I want to get into some mailbag questions here. The first one, this came from last week, and I thought it was a good one. I think it came in a little bit later. Do you expect Jamal to stagger with the bench again? Are we going to get Reggie Jamal backcourt? So I talked to Matt about this a little bit the other day, but I want to pull on it the thread a little bit more. In the Michael Malone era, He has staggered one player from the starters to the bench, I think, every single season. I can't tell you for certainty that he did that back in the early days, the 2015, 16, and even 17. But really, since the identity of this roster has been established, they've mostly gone to playing their starters more minutes than anybody else and playing their all bench minutes more than anybody else. This year seems, and and there's good reason to do that. I think actually Denver's there there's probably some positive correlation to the fact that the starting lineup is so good and that they play so many minutes together. The chemistry of that unit is really important. And I would guess that Michael Malone, you know, I've asked him about this a little bit and he's kind of like pushed, you know, shrugged it off, but I would bet that this is very intentional for him and that he has a core philosophy, maybe one that even came from, you know, his, his father and just the experience there. It could be like a, um, Passed down like hey this is the thing you need to know keep your best unit together let them play a lot of minutes this year though will be interesting because i think you can make some of your best blended lineups that we've ever seen and i think that the bench unit is probably going to be as dysfunctional or unnatural as we saw last year so what do i mean by that last year the 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 unit i don't think had like a great identity whether it was with bones whether it was with reggie whether it was with bruce when you put all of the guys that they had last year, the bench guys with no starters, it was pretty dysfunctional. And when you, even when you gave him one, just Jamal Murray go out and save him, that wasn't a very good option. This year, and unlike last year where you had Bruce Brown as a great option to play staggered minutes with the starters. You take Jamal out, put Bruce in, that's a great lineup. But this year, I think Christian last year, you know, he was a rookie, he was still coming into his own. I don't think he was a great Stagger for a whole all of the year. Although he probably could have been, but Malone, I think, wasn't playing a ton of minutes and 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 didn't fully trust him. I think you trust him more this year, not to make mistakes and to fit in. So I look at it and I go, Christian is, I think, a great stagger option. Um I think Peyton Watson would be a good one. He's gonna be in the same category though as Christian last year. As the year goes on, he probably finds an opportunity for him to stagger a little bit more. I think even Zeke Najee can play minutes with. Jokic as a stretch for just being in the corner, you know, do some different things. I think he can be good there. Although I think he's better with the bench. Flacco Chanchar can play some minutes there. Jalen Pickett is a guy that I think can even maybe fit in uh, in spots there. And Reggie Jackson maybe could stagger. But the point is, you definitely can give him Christian. You probably can give Peyton, and you might be able to play a Zeke or or a Flacco. So I think you can get a little bit more blending. The bench unit, if you said Jamal Murray and then you give him Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, Zeke Naji, to me does not sound like a great bench unit. I don't think Murray can save that. Maybe he has a great year next year and he grows into this. I've talked about this, I think, over on DNVR. To me, that would be the best way Murray can sort of mature from last year to this year is if he's actually good enough to carry that bench unit. And it's just like a really healthy, no matter what combo you give him, it's like Murray's good enough. The same way we think of Yoke. It doesn't matter what combination of players you give him. He's probably going to make something out of it. If Jamal could rise to that to where it's like, nope, he runs that bench unit no matter who it is, that would be great. But short of that, Jamal and Porter, Jamal and KCP, um, KCP and Gordon, like there's different combos you can start to throw out there where I'd go, okay, now the bench can make a lot more sense. They can have an identity. So to answer the question, I do think Jamal will stagger, but I hope that Michael Malone staggers more than he did last year, not just the one player. How quick of a trigger should Calvin Booth have at the deadline should the young experiment fail? If it does, do you go for proven veterans or go for a bench, uh, a new batch of young players and hope they pan out? Well, I don't think you're going to trade your young bench for another young bench. One thing about Calvin, he's very confident in his guys. And while he may move on, I'll answer the first part of the question here in a second about the quick trigger. While he may move on from players like a Zeke, From, I don't think he'll move on from a Christian, but maybe a Peyton or a Hunter or a Pickett or one of those guys. While he might move on, I would be shocked if he traded his young guys who he hand selected for somebody else's young guys. I just would be very surprised by that. The only scenario I could see is if things do go poorly and it's not just about, you know, To me, it would have to be not just as Peyton Watson struggling, because I know Calvin really believes in him. And if he struggles, I just think he's going to be too hard for him to move on, even if it's like halfway through the year and he's not playing well. He's going to say, hey, let's get through this ugly patch. I still believe in my guy. But if there are injuries and there's all these other things that are happening where it's like, okay, now what assets do you truly have? Your young guys are the only assets you have and you can't waste another year because – you know maybe Aaron Gordon got hurt and you're going to miss so much of him and you can't survive the whole season or whatever it is or Murray's hurt or whatever then you might have to trade those guys but i think almost certainly you would be bringing in veterans or if it just looked like hey these young guys they're not all going to pan out we feel like we already have a read on it Strother you know some one of those guys but you're bringing in a veteran you're not getting another young pick so how quick of a trigger will he have i think Calvin is too confident in his guys to have a quick trigger it would probably need more of a disaster Uh, for the Nuggets, if it was going to go that way, and then lastly, for this segment, you know, I was thinking about the schedule is going to come out here in about a week and a half. I'm very curious, um, where Denver fits on the schedule. Next segment, we're going to get into power rankings and player rankings that have Denver players and the Denver as a team. I'm not going to say shockingly high, but their respect is here, they're not going to be sneaking up on people this next year, they're not going to be underdogs as much as they were this year. So, before, but before we get into that, I do think that one of the things I expect is I think the Nuggets are going to be on TV more than they have been since 2010, probably. I think they're going to get more nationally televised games. They're going to be treated like one of the marquee teams. Watch this is like every year, I think this is true. But this year, they won the title. I think it actually is going to happen. And the ratings were good when they were on TV. But I also think they're just going to get all the marquee games back on Christmas. I mean, they were there last year, but they're going to be back again. Opening night, not going to have to wait until, you know, several days down the line or whatever. They're going to be on opening night. MLK, you know, just all these marquee games. I think Denver is going to be there for them. So here's some of mine if I was picking. So first off, let's just say, what teams am I most excited for? This was actually harder to do than I thought. And I came to the conclusion that I'm only excited to watch three teams. Like, I'm excited to watch the Nuggets play everybody but only truly excited for three three teams, three matchups. And then I had two more that I was like moderately excited for specifically, but, but definitely in a different tier or different category. For me, in, in order, number one would be the LA Lakers. There's been all this trash talk. I think the Nuggets kind of own them. They swept them. There's hype around the Lakers as there is every single year. I think the Lakers are going to be my favorite matchup to see. I think number two is the Phoenix Suns. They have a nice rivalry going. It's clear these teams don't like each other. Um, they're going to be two of the best teams. And then number three is the 76ers. Now, this one's a little bit unique, but the 76ers just have represented you know, a rival to Denver. But this is the first year 76ers have always kind of been thought of as the team that was closer. For whatever reason, I mean, they've had Jimmy Butler. They've had these different guys. But they've been thought of as the team that is closer, even though Denver has been the team that has gotten closer. This is the first year where that matchup will clearly be the, no, Denver's the top dog. I don't care what records are. I don't think it care anything else. They've gotten it done. And the same goes for the Jokic and Bede. It'll be the first year where that hasn't been as much of a question who's better. Now it'll be one guy wins titles. The other guy does not. And so it'll make for I think an interesting dynamic. And then I think all the pushback about Embiid not playing in Denver for so long. I think he's going to play in Denver this year. I think he has to. He's definitely a guy that hears the noise. I think he's going to play that game. The two teams that were in the next tier for me were the Timberwolves, who I think this is the year where that becomes a rivalry. Denver, Minnesota has kind of been an off again, on on again, off again rivalry. It hasn't necessarily been lately, but I think it will develop this year. And I also just think the Wolves are fun and a good challenge for Denver. And then the Indiana Pacers, not because I'm excited about that matchup in any way, but just because I am going to be excited for when the the schedule makers bring Bruce back to Denver. My hunch is Indiana-Denver is not important enough and it's going to happen on like a Tuesday night in November, but I hope that it is like on a Friday night or something that the the schedule makers are Saturday night. They just make it sort of an event because when Bruce comes back, he's such a big time nugget that I hope he gets like his full ovation and all of those things. So those are the five games. Everybody else, like Portland, the Clippers, the Warriors, there's teams that I think are interesting. Dallas. But I don't think that I could rate them as especially more interesting to me than those other ones. Those other ones have a history. Warriors, Kings, Dallas, Clippers. Those are just teams. They're good teams and they'll be good games. Boston. But there's no history to me. There's no storyline there other than two good teams playing each other. Uh, and again, that comes out in about a week and a half, so uh, we'll be we'll be covering that. Maybe two weeks. Uh, looking forward to it. All right, let's take a break. On the other side, sporting news: is top thirty players going into next year had some surprise. ESPN's power rankings had some surprise. We'll do that on the other side. All right, back here, Locked On Nuggets final segment. It's time for the Nuggets to get some respect. Let's go over to Sporting News, who just released a couple days ago their list of the top 30 players in the NBA. Number one on their list, Nikola Jokic. I'm telling you, this happens every year. Giannis won it. He was the top player. When Kawhi won it, I remember there was a lot of Kawhi buzz. Remember, Kawhi wasn't thought of the way yet. He wasn't winning the MVP. He wasn't like Jokic and Giannis who were kind of like, well, if they win, they'll get it. But even when he won in Toronto, there was real conversation about, I don't know, man, he might just be the best player. He's gone toe-to-toe with LeBron. He's gone toe-to-toe with, with KD. He's done some like really good playoff performances, put up some crazy numbers, and he got put in that conversation. Giannis wins. He gets put up there. Curry and the Warriors win. Now he gets put up there. Now Jokic and the Nuggets win, and Jokic is – in a lot of people's lists, including the Ringer, but now Sporting News, number one. So this is a weird position for Jokic to be in. He has never been this unanimously the best player, and I'm just so curious to see how he approaches this season. I think it's going to be uncomfortable for him in a lot of ways. Number two, they had Giannis. Number three, they had Steph Curry. I think they got it right, one, two, three. Number four, they have KD. I would not have had him there. I have him significantly lower. I think KD was at that level has not performed at that level for two straight playoffs, and that matters to me. If it's one, like Giannis didn't have a great playoffs, a little injured, whatever, I understand. But two in a row, I just think KD is on reputation and skill set, not necessarily on impact. Impact's important. Number five, they have Joel Embiid. Number six, they have Luka. I think that's right. Again, I would just move KD probably behind that list. Number seven, they have Tatum. Number eight, they have Booker. Again, I think this is about right. Personally, Booker looks better than KD to me, more impactful. So it's tough because I would have never had him ahead of KD until the playoffs. And now I look at it and go, I don't know, man. I don't know. Number nine, Jimmy Butler. What a rise for Jimmy Butler. He was like 26th or something on ESPN's list last year going into the year, all the way up to ninth. Number 10, LeBron. Is LeBron too low? I think LeBron might be too low. LeBron to me guarded Jokic. People will always say like, who guarded Jokic specifically the best? I think it was LeBron. Now it cost LeBron all of his energy and his ability to do other things. So like it, it drained him. It was it was a um, you know it it, it it and Jokic still dominated, but LeBron is good. Like I think LeBron might actually be for me behind Luca. So he would be like sixth to me he's not that in the regular season, but I still like, do I fear LeBron or KD more to like stall the nuggets? I think it's LeBron. Number 11 is Kawhi. I mean, haven't seen him consistently for a long time. Number 12 is Lillard. You guys know I'm not the biggest Lillard guy, so that's a little bit high for me. 13, Shea. 14, Anthony Davis. 15, Donovan Mitchell. And 16, Jamal Murray. So what's interesting about this is Jamal number 16, last year he was like 40th. Some two people had him 33rd. He's cut that number in half all the way up to 16. And the crazy thing is, I think he's ahead of some guys that I wouldn't necessarily put him ahead of, but he's still behind one guy I would put him ahead of, and that's Donovan Mitchell. I might even say Anthony Davis and Damian Lillard. Like Murray might be more impactful on winning than those guys at the highest levels. Anthony Davis had one phenomenal finals run inside of the bubble. But outside of that, I mean, I guess he probably still belongs there. His defense is pretty unreal. So he, I think, would put there. But Lillard and Mitchell, to me, are more spectacular. And that's often what people go off of is how spectacular. But I think Murray might be more impactful. Tough to say. John Morant behind him. De'Aaron Fox behind him. Paul George, I'm still higher on Paul George than just about anyone. I probably would have him further up the list. Anthony Edwards at 20, Bam Adebayo at 21, Jalen Brown at 22, Jalen Brunson at 23, Tyrese Halliburton tied for him at 23, 24, Kyrie Irving at 25, Zion at 26, Zion's the hardest guy to peg. Like, I mean, when he's healthy and plays, he's way higher. 27, James Harden, 28, Sabonis, 29, Drew Holiday, and 30, Trey Young. So I think it's pretty exciting to see Murray in that company, where people are kind of unanimously unanimously putting him as a top twenty player. Think about, I mean, winning winning championships, guys, complete difference maker. Now let's go to the Nuggets as a team, not just players. ESPN had their off season power rankings, and this is how they fell. Number one, the Denver Nuggets. That's right. The Nuggets are now pretty consensus the top team in the NBA even with the loss of Bruce Brown people still think nope nuggets are the proven top dog so again Jokic number 1 nuggets number 1 Murray number 16 this is a different spot the nuggets have gone from nobody believes in them all the way up until the conference finals like halfway through the conference finals nobody believes in them till all of a sudden everybody believes in them and everybody buys them it's going to be a very different year prepare for it number 2 the Milwaukee Bucks i found it interesting they did have enough excuses last year with Middleton and then Giannis getting hurt in the playoffs like there's enough that people can just write that off I still don't know if I fully write it off and I don't know if I believe the Bucks to be the number two team but I will tell you what they win easy in the regular season so they're probably gonna have a great record number three is the Boston Celtics I think that's probably right number four is the Phoenix Suns a little surprised they're that low but you know I guess we'll have to see it number five is the Miami Heat Maybe they're counting on Damian Lillard to go there, probably a little bit. If that's the case, I think the top five is going to be very, very fascinating. Then you get number six, the 76ers. This one's interesting because the 76ers, to me, feel like a team that, of all these teams so far, they feel like the team that could fall the most. I'm not sure I'm fully buying them. Um, We don't even know what their roster is going to look like. Number seven was the Lakers. So if you're scoring at home in the Western Conference, they have Nuggets one, Suns two, Lakers three. I find that pretty interesting. I don't have that in my personal ranking. In fact, I've on Lockdown NBA, when I was looking at teams to rise or fall, I just think the Lakers have a little bit of disaster potential. They had it last year. That's why they were in the play-in. But this year, I feel like they have a little bit of disaster potential again, and I just wouldn't be surprised if – I mean, I would be more surprised if they were the third-best team in the West than if they were the eighth best team, I would be more surprised with three uh, at number eight. They have the warriors kind of the same thing with the warriors for me. <coughs> They're still going to be, they have still have the talent. I don't know. I just, I don't know if I'm counting on the, the Lakers Warriors, Suns. This just feels like the status quo, right? Every year we put the names up and that's what it feels like. Katie, we're putting in my LeBron Steph. I just don't know. It feels like a changing of the guard has happened. Number nine, the Cavs. number 10, the Grizzlies. It's interesting that Ja's going to miss almost half the more than a third of the season. And yet people are still that high on the Grizzlies. By the way, I'm with them. I think the Grizzlies are a very well-rounded team. Number 11, the Clippers. Number 12, the Kings. Number 13, the Knicks. 14, the Mavs. So everybody seems to think the Mavs are going to bounce back this year. I also agree with them. I just don't think you can keep Luka down. Number 15, the Thunder. So the Thunder making – the Thunder ahead of the Wolves at 16 and the Pels at 17. Thunder, Wolves, Pels to me are all this category of team. The Kings are kind of there as well, but the Kings are the first one that leaped out of that group. It's interesting to me that ESPN has the Thunder beating the Pels and Wolves record-wise in the regular season. I think they might be right, by the way. Wolves are the team I'm pretty high on, but Thunder – they might be a sleeping giant giant as well. Nonetheless, Denver coming in big on all of these player, rank, player rankings and team rankings, and I think that's kind of interesting. This is the year of the front-running Denver Nuggets. Going to be an interesting one. Everybody, thanks for hanging out with me on this Tuesday night slash Wednesday morning. Um, Yeah, somebody says, Kyrie, a hell of an anchor. I mean, he kind of is, man. He kind of is, but he's also a hell of a player. So every now and then he has his up year. Maybe this is it. Thanks for hanging out with me. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button. If you're listening to this as a podcast, please leave us a rating, a five-star rating and review. We always appreciate to hear your feedback on the show, especially when it is accompanied with a five-star review. See everybody tomorrow.